0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to One Control Report Podcast, episode 164. I'm Benjamin Yoder, here today to talk to you about video games. We're mostly going to focus on video game news this week, because I really didn't do much in terms of actual game playing. Surprise, surprise. (laughs) Um, I played a bit more Lost Planet 2, but I don't really have much more to say about that at this time. I think we could probably sum that up once I'm actually done with it. Getting pretty close to finishing it up, I think. Um, And then also... Uh, I played a little bit of Love Plus as well after our Love Plus every talk last week, and I need to spend more time with it or else I feel like I can't really say anything else that I that I haven't already said about that game. So so that's on my list of things I'd like to poke at. At least you don't have to like, commit to it for long periods of time. You just got to set aside a little bit of time each day to that game. So I just need to make sure I keep logging in, make a habit of it. Um, but because that's really all I've played, I, I just want to kind of focus on the news. And there's so much news out there this week. So what I want to start with is some of the the like prototype builds and things like that that have leaked out recently from Nintendo. And if you haven't heard about this yet, basically like two years ago, somebody hacked one of Nintendo's partners and got a bunch of data, like two terabytes worth of data from it. And and they've been like keeping it within a circle. And, and I'm explaining this, but like that's my this is my understanding of the story not that i 100 know what this is uh, but basically people hacked this This uh, partner with nintendo and got a bunch of data and if you've been you know keeping your eyes on the internet the last year to specifically the last three months in particular uh there's been kind of releases of data out in these little chunks uh started with a lot of like pokemon uh leaks of of old uh space world builds or, or or old convention builds rather and 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 More recently, earlier this year, there were leaks of like Nintendo or, nintendo 64 development tools and nintendo 3ds tech demos and things like that and and it it was really interesting stuff for me particularly but you know i'll sit there and watch like a 30 minute video that goes over each individual tech demo on nintendo 64 i don't think a lot of people (laughs) otherwise would want to do that um and i think kind of the limitation it has you know that type of information has is it doesn't really tell a story um it's cool to see that stuff it's cool to unearth these things that you know the public was never really intended to see at least you know or or at least have their hands on but you know at the end of the day there wasn't a lot of real content outside of the pokemon leaks i'm not a big pokemon fan so i never really paid attention to that but i'm sure the pokemon audience was very happy to see those old like uh, builds um and then you have stuff like you know garfield cart uh uh builds as well and it's like you know i would probably like garfield cart garfield cart's probably a cool game and you know that that should be out there if there's really no harm done to the developer at this point uh, but but I don't think anyone cares about Garfield cart uh leaks. So so what happened in this last last few days here um is that we kind of got stuff that people were saying would be wishful thinking from this uh, we started getting a lot of, I don't know if it, you would consider it source code. I saw a lot of arguments of whether these were considered source code or if they're considered something else. So just for the sake of this argument, we'll just say these are prototype builds. That may not be accurate, but we'll just keep it at that. Um, but basically, there's a bunch of like prototype builds that, that uh, came out. So there's like Super Mario uh, World 2 prototype builds, Star Fox, Star Fox 2, bunch of mostly Super Nintendo stuff um, uh, on the initial leak and it, it's really interesting and like I said earlier like Nintendo 64 tech demos doesn't really tell a story but you can look at what the Super Mario World 2 Yoshi's Island uh, stuff is showing and and you get to see this like the development cycle uh, of the game and and in that case of that game that seems to be actually playable so people are actually messing around with it trying a bunch of different things and 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 playing with the game seeing how the mechanics differ and things like that and and people are starting to look at like interviews that people had done with like Miyamoto and stuff over the years and and lining up pieces like the fact that uh at one point they had mentioned that way if Mario got like a a star or something in that game he would turn or, or if Yoshi well Yoshi with Baby Mario was back got a star at some point in the game he would turn into like adult Mario and then run around and then they changed that because people at the company thought it was a little weird that Baby Mario would turn into adult Mario <laughs> um, um, but people found the adult Mario sprites in the in those those files so it's like really interesting to see see that stuff um, and then there's stuff that he goes even further back of like this this Build of the Super Mario World 2, or what people are assuming is a connection to Super Mario World 2, called Super Donkey, which is like this weird dude with goggles. He almost looks like like, like a old, you know, pilot-looking thing, uh, just kind of jumping around this world with like these really Rayman-looking limbs and things like that. But like aesthetically, it looks very simply similar to Mario, uh, Super Mario Land 2. And and if you, I believe they found, and and this is kind of the hard thing about this stuff right now is that it's hard to find. Reliable resources on this stuff. Even if you go to like the cutting room floor Discord channel, there's a lot of people trying to verify what is real or not. Uh, I'd say the majority of stuff out there is probably real on the cutting room floor's Discord. Twitter is a bit more, um, you know, I don't know if sketchy is the right word, but you know, I, I don't, I'd be a little less likely to trust like just Twitter posts about this. Um, but, but they found like old Mario sprites for that super donkey demo where he's like this weird Rayman looking Mario. It, 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 it's really interesting. To see like this development cycle, you know, start from it's a Mario game. Actually, we don't want this to be a Mario game. Okay, now it's a Yoshi game, you know, (laughs) um, you know, them trying to like distance it from Mario to some, to to some extent. So, so it's like super interesting. Um, and, and what's really cool about the Star Fox one in particular, again, 100% not sure if these are confirmed from the game, but people are pulling models from it that are like, here's a 3d model of Yoshi that somebody was just like playing around with to, to 3d model something. Uh, there's somebody that um, or there's like a stick figure with like a sword and shield. And I believe people are saying that the file names point to it being uh, named as Link. So people are like, it's an early, you know, early demo of what Link would be as a 3D model, even though it's very, very simple. Uh, there's not a lot of detail to it, but but it's it's really fascinating stuff like that. Um, and then, so a couple days later, though, um, well, as as of today, the day I'm recording, Saturday this morning, uh, there's actually some Nintendo 64 stuff that, that came out too. And again, I'm not going to say if these are source code or whatever. Basically, my understanding is that these are um, this is data that was provided to uh, the Chinese localization team uh, for for uh, the 64 games. If you're familiar with the IQ Player, it was basically like this all-in-one Nintendo 64. That was put inside of a controller. So you'd like plug the controller directly into the TV. It's a really fascinating device. Uh, And it was, you know, there's a bunch of rules in China that prevented them from selling game consoles. So this is just how they had to do it. And so they gave them a bunch of of files uh, for Nintendo 64 games. So people are like pulling uncompressed versions of Star Fox uh, voice acting uh, and stuff. So you get like these really crystal clear versions of like these very iconic lines. Uh, and in Super Mario 64, there's there seems to be data for, for Luigi in that game, which, you know, there's this huge, long history about Luigi being in Super Mario 64 uh, based off development comments and, and things in the game and people spreading rumors of how you unlock Luigi. And there's a lot of, like, differing models that are out there that are kind of based off information pulled from the game. So people are pulling, like, textures from it, getting his sideburns, his, like, uh, his like, you know, little emblem, his L emblem on his head and things like that. And then people were like kind of photoshopping pieces together to to make it look like a model and be like, we've got the Luigi model, even though it really wasn't, it was just, somebody kind of putting something together. I believe somebody has finally actually gotten the Luigi model in the cutting room floor thing. Unfortunately, it's not in a place that's like easily linkable because everything's just kind of a mess right now. So it's, it's, it's this really fascinating uh, uh, stuff. And I think the the fact that people are going back and connecting these dots with old interviews and stuff is really interesting. And I'm, I'm really, I'm really excited to see, you know, where a page, like the cutting room floor uh goes if you don't know the cutting room floor is like this website that archives unused data from games and things like that and i'm really excited to see just how transformative having some of this stuff will be for for that website because some of those pages have been kind of the same for a while uh, one in particular i'm super excited for is uh ocarina of time which i have a very long history of being interested in <laughs> in ocarina of times development timeline um, you know, Arcum Times has a very public and long development cycle where they're showing off screenshots of this game, you know, nonstop because they had to keep people excited for the Nintendo 64 when there really weren't a lot of games coming to the platform. Um, and and so you have like this very, very Extensive timeline of development that's already laid out from what people have found about the game. And I feel like there's like a 10 year period where people are really just pulling all sorts of data out of what was available and, and, uh, you know, on the card itself in Ocarina of Time and all the different versions of Ocarina of Time. And then there's also like a, a European debug ROM, I believe that came out for when they were porting the game from Nintendo 64 to GameCube. And that had a bunch of data in it too. And those pages over the last five years have definitely slowed down in terms of Ocarina of Time. I think either one of two things, either the interest was lost or there just wasn't a lot more data to pull out, or at least that the data, the data that was there uh, might've been harder to pull out. So, you know, if the interest was lost, I, I think this is a new spark of interest into pulling this information. And if it was, you know, we had, you know, run out of, you know, things to pull from what resources we had, you know, I, this seems to be a pretty big um, development in terms of you know getting our, the chance to pull more information. People are pulling you know areas from um, that game that that are seen in some of the like earliest builds as well. Admittedly, some of the some of the areas in in the actual. Uh, prototype ROM that was found for the European... Or the, the debug ROM that was found uh, actually has some really old areas in it, too. But now we have, like, this very Ganon's Castle-looking area that you can link back to a lot of very old builds. Like, before even, like, C-button equipment was... was um added to the game so it's like a picture of like Link with bombs on B and uh, the A button to slash a sword you know so it's like this really old stuff and I think that's like super exciting old versions of Kakiri Forest that are completely different in layout compared to to what we finally what we finally got so I, th- I think this game in particular is just so exciting for me because it is just like there, we have pulled so much from this game already and now we finally have like a new, a new place to play and a new place to pull more information because I think you just get an idea of like how much people are like hammering Sees these games all the time just looking at like you know how Ocarina of Time speedrunning has gone and how ridiculous it's gotten and how broken that game is like to the point that we're down to like basically an 8 minute run for Ocarina of Time and it's just like a bunch of running around and manipulating code in the game using a bunch of sword swipes and stuff like that like and and all the glitches that were found in that game it's it's I don't think anything particularly special about Ocarina of Time in terms of glitches um, compared to other earlier 3D games but it's just the fact that it is so it's such a popular game and it's been you know hammered on for so long and it's a early 3D game too well not early 3D but it's one of the earlier 3D games um and and so it's it's just like this really fascinating uh piece of work to look at for for how a game works and and you know how how much it can be broken and for so for why I think that's kind of exciting is that i think most other games You know, the data we're pulling from those games is not always the entirety of it. Like I I built the Final Fantasy XI cutting room floor page and that page, I I, I pulled a lot of data from there and and like I don't know anything about pulling data. I just threw that stuff in a viewer and was like, cool, I hope this works out. Um, and, and I was able to get some stuff and I was able to build a pretty significant cutting room floor page. It's not crazy. It's not like the Ocarina of Time page, obviously. Um, but I was able to get a a decent chunk of stuff. And there's so many files in the early data section that you can look at the, the, um, you know, the hex for hexadecimal or whatever it is. I don't know, hex thing, the code essentially for, and you can just see like, the the pieces of things in there that there is data surrounding this like here's this test dungeon here's this test boss fight you can just like see this data but nobody has taken the time to figure out what that data is and how how to you know rework that to a point that we can recognize it as a human being rather than just looking at it and being like yes this is indeed a a reference to a snow texture for this snowfield area that we literally cannot load you know um so i think it's like so i think nintendo games at this point because they've just been beaten so hard on for like pulling data and pulling and you know and 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 tearing those games apart that having having that deeper resource more free access to to these you know assets and things like that is really important for for that preservation to to go forward or for that for that documentation to really go forward and and begin, I guess, a new era of Ocarina of Time data mining. Hopefully. Hopefully there's enough data in there. But from what people are pulling out, it seems like there's a pretty significant amount of of interesting data. Just even if we're getting old builds of like different temples and stuff that is super super interesting even if we can only pull like the collision data and we can see like how it was laid out and everything so anyways that was a lot of information to spew out of my mouth I'm like I said this is kind of like a weird wild west period right now where everybody's just kind of talking about it but there's not really a lot of archiving um if you go and look at The cutting room floor and um, like how they handled the Pokemon uh, leaks when those came out a while ago. It seems like they're just being kind of filtered into the prototype section, essentially, which is kind of why I settled on calling them just prototypes for this case. So I think if that Ocarina of Time page starts to, to become more officially developed as people start, you know, actually wanting to document this stuff properly rather than just sharing it on Twitter. Um then, then I think that's probably gonna be the section where that stuff shows up on the cutting room floor. I say that. Don't know for sure. Anyways, so I'm sorry if you don't find that stuff super fascinating. You just have to listen to me for 15 minutes garble gook about, <laughs> about that stuff. But I think that stuff's super fascinating. I'm really hoping like I'm really hoping we're gonna get a lot of really interesting data out of this. Um, so to stick on the Nintendo side of things here though, there was the Nintendo Direct that happened earlier this week. And it was like a Nintendo Direct mini, and it was really focused on on third-party partners. And I will say that the US Nintendo Direct was was not my favorite. There's still some interesting stuff in there. There was uh the what was that game called? The the Rhythm Zelda game. I- Candidates of Hyrule or something like that I don't know I never played it but there's a bunch of DLC for that that seems exciting for most people I think that game was pretty popular so I I think that's an exciting announcement it's not something I'm personally interested in um, and then there's also like the Shimigami Tensei stuff with the, uh, Shimigami Tensei 3 HD, uh, re-release essentially. And then, and uh, finally an update to Shimigami Tensei 5. I think this has been announced since like the Switch was announced, um, that they were going to be making SMT5 for, for the Switch. And unfortunately, they still didn't show any gameplay. They just showed off like a concept trailer, which I like the character designs, but I, I'm always, I'm a gameplay guy. Show me your gameplay, man. I want to see what your game looks like. <laughs> I don't really have a ton of patience for concept trailers, although I think there are some exceptions, and I'll, I'll try to touch on that a little bit later when I when I talk about the one exception I can think of. And there were some other smaller stuff in the U.S. Nintendo Direct, but it was not a lot. Um, so But if you look at the Japanese Direct, it was actually significantly more substantial. A lot of the stuff was stuff we kind of already knew about, but it was neat to get a good look at that stuff, um, like they had a Sakuna of Rice and Rain, uh, which is... And and this is kind of the weird thing about a lot of these things on the Nintendo Direct in Japan. A lot of this stuff is coming to America so and like announced for America. So I don't know why it was like left out, but yeah, Sakuna is like this uh kind of side scrolling uh action title with like I, I guess you could maybe call it like a more feudal Japan kind of farmland kind of look thing. It's like this this little girl who like farms and then she you go in like these side scrolling adventures and and things like that. I, I don't know the best way to describe it, but it looked interesting. Is that a comic at one year? And that's when I first noticed it. And I thought it was pretty cool looking. Um, and, and yeah, I think x might be bringing it out over here. It looks pretty nice. And then we had the, uh, the sequel to that Atlier game, the, uh, Ryza. Uh, Ryza 2 specifically. And they just kind of did a quick demonstration of that and showed that off. I don't know if that was the first time we've seen Riza 2. If you don't know, the original Riza was incredibly popular and sold very well. Uh, I think both in Japan and outside of Japan and in the U.S. I've, it's the most conversation I've ever seen about a Atelier game, or at least within the mainstream sense. And, and they did I was surprised because it's apparently announced for America as well. They just left it out. But it seems like Koei Tecmo is having a, like, stream for that uh, sometime early next week or or by the time you're hearing this the next day or two. So I, maybe they just want to save that reveal for themselves. But I don't know, it just seems kind of weird not to want to put that in front of people, especially since the last game did pretty well. And then they just had like a general, you know, and I really like these things, like like the quick cuts between different games. So they showed off uh, Final Fantasy Crystal Chronicles. They showed off a bunch of random anime games um, that, and and they also showed off Ninjala, which I think Ninjala is either out or is in beta in the in the US. So it's just kind of a nice mix of stuff. There's some things on that that direct I, I understand that you wouldn't actually. You know, want to show in America? There's like board game stuff that wouldn't really come over. I, I I think putting the Otome game in there would have been perfectly fine. I I I understand why you might not really focus on that, but you know, if you have like a quick succession of games that you're showing a few seconds of, I think that's that's perfectly fine. And there's also like a Yokai Watch game. I I still don't know what this Yokai Watch game is. It's like a bunch of kids that look like Yokai Watch, like like almost like halfway between kids and Yokai Watch characters, little humanoid Yokai Watch. Uh, pets. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how to describe it, but they're like they're running around a school and stuff. I, I think it's interesting, but I haven't actually learned what it is still. So, one day, I'll put the effort in to figure out what that game is. Um, But yeah, so some of that stuff, I, f- I would fully expect to not really show up in that Direct, but to see so much stuff that's coming to the U.S. just be left out. Um, I think it significantly hurt my impression of the America American Direct. Well, I don't want to say significantly here. I thought it was an average Direct. I thought, it was like okay, that was fine. For a, like, Eight minute direct, I thought that was perfectly fine. That was focused on third party. But I think if they added a few more minutes and just uh, put into that stuff that the Japanese direct focus on, I think they could have had easily a, a slightly better uh, presentation overall. Um, and I don't want to spend too much time on this, but this is kind of a trend I've noticed. Uh, I don't know if I'd say it, it's a trend, but it's something I've I've become more aware of at the very least. It's like this... this getting mad at people for being mad all the time. Like, like everybody was like, oh my gosh, look at these people who are mad about the Nintendo Direct. And it's like people being mad at people being mad about something. And I saw significantly more people being mad at people who are mad at the Nintendo Direct than I saw people who are mad at the Nintendo Direct. (laughs) I don't know if I saw a single post about how upset somebody was with the Nintendo Direct, but I saw plenty of posts of people making fun of people who were mad about the Nintendo Direct. And, um, if you don't know, I mean, the reason why people are mad is just cause, you know, it's, they're not getting the Mario. They're not getting the Zelda or something like that. You know, they're not getting the big games that they're looking for. Metroid Prime trilogy, which Nintendo communicated ahead of time. It's just a third, third party focused show. And it was, you know, going to be very short, like eight to 10 minutes. You know, it was not something they're presenting as something crazy. But yeah, I, I, I think, <laughs> and I think I try to avoid this too much a lot of times these days on the internet is just not think too much of what people are arguing about on the internet just focus on what i'm interested in and and if i'm interested in having a conversation with something somebody about something if that's something that's like someone's arguing right now i want to focus on those conversations rather than focusing on this idea of somebody being upset about something else you know i i think that's just something i want to try to avoid and i think i think everybody is slightly guilty of seeing things on the internet and and it might be this slightly small voice but because i saw three people say it it's suddenly everybody on the internet has said it in your mind (laughs) you know it's it's something as as humans we're not really wired to work on this scale of communication it's kind of kind of interesting also causes a lot of problems but but i won't get into that because i don't have any solutions for that so i thought the direct was fine i thought it was pretty good i think the japanese direct was better i i hope that they 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 kind of bring those more in line next time if they plan to do a show like this i could see maybe they're trying to keep the show focused but I think it hurt hurt them in cutting out so many games that were coming to Switch uh, in the near future, specifically because a lot of people are looking for Switch games right now. Uh, the, the, the whole thing is that, like you know, people are like, Where, "What's what's next for the Switch?" and there's 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 not a lot of information out there of what's next at this point. It's it's hard to say if if there isn't anything next or if Nintendo's just being very you know keeping their cards to their chest. You know, they, they announced that paper Mario game like a month before it came out. So that's not to say there isn't something coming for the switch, but it'd be nice to know. Uh, but having a a larger third party swath to choose from as well, or making people aware of those games at the very least, uh, would, would have been nice. And then there's also the Xbox event that happened for the Xbox Series X. Um, I think like with the PlayStation event, I'm more watching these out of my own personal curiosity of how these platforms are performing. So I don't personally have a lot to say about a lot of these games, to be honest. There are some ones that I'm interested in. I'll kind of note them as I go through. Um, one that I, I'm, I'm more just kind of curious of is, you know, Halo Infinite, that got showed off Uh, You know, I recently played through Halo 3, I thought Halo 3 was perfectly fine, I did not love it, I've never been a huge Halo fan, Uh, but I am curious to see the direction that Halo Infinite goes, because if you don't know, Halo's been always a very linear, kind of story-focused shooter, or at least all the ones I have played, I have not played any, I haven't played basically anything after 3, so so I'm talking about like 2007 and older Halo at this point, you know, Um and and so this one seems to be more of an open world game. Um, it also seems to be going for a more aesthetic that looks closer to the original Halo in terms of it being more more colorful, maybe simpler textures and things like that. So there's a lot less detail, um, although that seems to have very much backfired on that game because people are pretty upset about how Halo how Halo Infinite looks. And I will say this. It does not look like a next gen game to me. It looks like something that would come out this gen. And, you know, keep in mind, Halo Infinite is a game that was originally announced for the Xbox one. I don't think the series X was in the picture yet when halo infinite was announced, or if it was in the picture, it was like the first time we saw that, you know, them say we're making new hardware and that's it. You know, it wasn't something that was like a direct connection. So I'm guessing this game probably started as an Xbox one title and is getting ported up. Um, and I don't really expect to see huge improvements on that, but you know, who knows who can say, um, I think it's a, it is definitely damaging to their reputation right now, though, especially with the whole argument that Sony's making with, you know, they're making games, particularly for PlayStation 5, to make use of the console, where, you know, Microsoft is saying we're doing a cross-gen approach where you'll go to play all of our games for the next, I think, two years, I think, is after they said after Series X comes out, you're going to play all those games on the Xbox One as well. And I think. When you're doing down ports or something, you're probably not going to notice that as much. I mean, you can even look at like Titanfall. I think people thought Titanfall on Xbox One was a really impressive looking game when that came out. You could, I could be wrong about that, but I believe that's the case. Um, and then, you know, then they ported down Titanfall to the Xbox 360 and people were very impressed by the version of Titanfall on Xbox 360. Um, but I think that didn't really harm Titanfall on Xbox One. So I think it's just a matter of which direction you're going and what your focus is. Um, and in the case of Halo, I think the, the direction is that it went from, you know, the weaker consoles to the stronger consoles. So the benefits are going to be a lot less apparent, you know? Um, and, and if you're going to be launching with this game, it might be, it might not look great to, 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 to do that. So it may very much just be like a positioning thing. Although I do see people putting it alongside, um, like last of us on this platform, ghost of Tsushima, things like that. And I think, I think the thing, the difference is, is that, halo's going for a a more simplistic look to it i will say personally i find it to look a little muddy though um it kind of reminds me of like a a nintendo 64 game with how its textures look at times um in terms of like uh, the environments when you're looking at some of the screenshots at least so i think there's definitely a a improvement that can be made they're not going to sit there and say like oh it's you know an amazing looking game i think it looks fine enough but But I don't think it it pops out even as a great looking Xbox one game, to be honest with you. I think it looks okay for Xbox one. So but yeah, we'll see. We'll see where that goes. I I, I personally do not care how, how much how it looks these days. I think what's kind of fascinating about these consoles is that you're seeing a huge spectrum of production. Uh, values like even when you, if you have a fully 3d game that you're exploring this world sometimes it looks like it's it's like slightly better than a than a ps3 game <laughs> other times it looks great it's just like there's such a large scale of developers that have that are out there now so you see when you go to these press conferences there's just like a significant you know scale of okay here's your 8-bit retro game to the super artistically like a lot of adventure games at this Xbox event, you know, and then, you know, then you have your more mid budget games, and then you have your higher tier looking games. But I do think that Halo, you know, being a premiere, V franchise for Microsoft, it looking like something that's on a lower tier of 3D uh, visuals. Uh, for the platform definitely paints kind of a bad picture but i also personally do not care <laughs> um, i thought the medium looked really cool uh this is basically this i don't know what type of game you call it it's kind of survival horror. i'm gonna guess it's got some puzzle mechanics things like that i don't know if they showed off any combat but it, basically the whole thing of the game is that you're switching between two worlds um, and it, at least during the trailer, they showed you at navigating both worlds at once. So I don't know if that's going to be always the case or if that was just how they're showing it in the trailer. So you are aware that, Hey, when you're walking in one world, you're walking the other world. Uh, so, so I think that's really cool. I like the whole two world design kind of thing. I'm a big fan of uh, paper Mario or super paper Mario on the Wii because, you know, you have the 2d aspect of the world and you can kind of like flip it. I like that kind of stuff. Um, you know, obviously this is a bit more subtle where the environment's changing and things like that through a lot of aesthetic things where the structure of the areas are very similar, where Paper Mario, Super Paper Mario, like, the, the entire tr- environment structure changes in some ways. Uh, but I do still think the concept's interesting. I like the look of the game, too. It looks, it looks nice. Um, and there's also Dark Tide. Which Dark Tide, and this is the kind of thing I was going to earlier about, you know, games that don't show off any gameplay. <laughs> Dark Tide does not show any off any gameplay. I do like how the game looks aesthetically. I don't know anything about Warhammer. I will tell you that much. Um, but uh, it is based, and I did not know this initially until somebody told me later. So this made me feel a bit better about the trailer. Is uh, it, it's it's part of the Vermintide line, or at least the developer is the same as Vermintide, and it being called Dark Tide gives me the impression it's technically a t- you know quote, Tide franchise game, I guess you could say. It's probably not actually, you know, called the the Tide franchise, but... Um, and so I think, I guess, I thought Vermin Tide looked great, and so, like, being able to see what that game is already and then kind of map what this game is doing aesthetically and setting-wise to that game was a very easy process, and so I didn't really feel... I didn't feel too burned by not seeing gameplay. At the end of the day, I always want to see gameplay in your trailer. Show me gameplay. But in this case, I was pretty okay with not seeing gameplay um and then there is also kind of the big one and kind of the big one that i always feel <laughs> that i feel mixed on but i think the more we learn about it the more excited i am for it is uh new genesis fancy star online 2 which if you don't know this is a I, it's in in some ways a standalone version of Fantasy Star Online Two. It's it's basically got these big overworlds that you're warding around on. Uh, it's got an overhauled graphics engine. Um, I don't know how much is changing mechanically in the game itself at this point. I'm always a fan of of new mechanics and stuff. And so when I was looking at it, and it was like, okay, this is a part of the Fantasy Star Online Two brand. I don't really want to <laughs> I don't really want to touch this because I haven't even touched Fantasy Star Online Two very much. Um, I, I kind of, you know, kind of wrote it off, but it is, they're, they're doing a, a split in terms of, um, progress related items. So things like, so basically if you play in this, this new Genesis environment or new Genesis part of the game, uh, anything that's dealing with progression, money, weapons, stuff like that, um, levels that will all be reset for this new, um, this new area essentially or a new part of the game. Um, and then if you go back to Fantasy Star Online Two, then you'll be on your old stuff for the I think six episodes that those games uh, already have. So you're you're keeping your character. It sounds like your cosmetics will carry over, or at least some level of cosmetics. Um, you know, at least your character look. Um, so that's a bit appealing to me because it is a clean break, and that's the h- hard thing with Fantasy Star Online Two is that there's so much content. And you know, I uh, live games do not fit my lifestyle these days, and I'm sure new genesis fantasy star online 2 will eventually update to a point that i will not want to keep up with it but it is more appealing to me and this is probably why the u.s servers were kind of more appealing to me too initially uh when those got kind of shut up it is more appealing to me when there's less content because i feel less overwhelmed so so it's nice to be able to to basically start from the beginning with with a new new game at this point, I would personally prefer the standalone like you know have seventy hours to one hundred and fifty hours worth of content in a in a fancy star game. I much prefer that, and then release your next game you know two three years later with new mechanics and things like that. But I never realize that's not really the reality of the current market for these types of games. So I'm not going to complain too much, but that doesn't change that I have more time to play them. So. <laughs> So, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see. I'm, I'm pretty interested in it though, and I'll, I'll definitely give it a look. I, I got my solid state drive the other day. Uh, I, I have a really small solid state drive on my PC, and I wanted to use it more for games, but I, I just, it was very difficult. I had to juggle games all the time on it, and it was, it was really frustrating. Um, so I bought a one terabyte SSD, and I basically put that on my PC. And I did install Fantasy Star Online 2 on that solid state drive, uh, b- because I'm gonna play it. I don't know, but I had the space to do it, so I did it. <laughs> so so I was glad glad I was able to do that. We'll see if I actually play it. It's launched the the, the uh the tweaker application is launched on my PC right now, apparently. I j me and the icon just met eyes, so <laughs> so yeah. That's kinda all I have to say about the 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 um Xbox event. I thought it was pretty good overall. Um, I, you know, one thing to keep in mind is they split up the event between the initial one and the later one. And I think when I think about what that Sony event covered and what the Microsoft event covered, or those two Microsoft events covered, you know, side by side, um, and even, even this one standalone, I think, I think I preferred Microsoft showing now in saying that a lot of these games are not specific to Xbox. Or, you know, or even there are also on PlayStation 4 or will be on PlayStation or will be on PlayStation at a later time. So when I talk about, you know, me thinking the Xbox showing was better, I'm purely talking about the showcase of a conference. I'm not talking about, you know, what these platform lineups look like, because honestly, and this is something I've found, and maybe it's, I don't think it's just me. I hear other people complain about this is when you watch a press conference, it's really hard to tell what's a launch game. What's a, what's a timed exclusive? What is, you know, multi-platform? It, there's just like so much weird messaging around this stuff. And, and every game has like a bunch of tags when you start up. It's like world premiere, you know, world premiere. Why? Because this is the first time it's on Xbox, you know? Um, and like little tags, smart delivery on this, this one. It, it's like, it, it's just all these little tags to specify these things. Um, it's just gotten really complicated. So yeah I don't know I'll probably closer to launch kind of look at the lineups by side by side and maybe talk about them a little bit but honestly I'm probably not going to get a Series X or a PlayStation 5 this year um I, I just personally don't have a lot of interest in the games coming out and the few games I am interested in like Scarlet Nexus um and what I'm about to talk about here in, in a little bit um are coming to to current gen consoles and unless there's like a significant difference I don't think I'll I'll really take the the plunge on new consoles at this time um but we'll see we'll see who who knows where things will be at the end of this year what games get announced things like that anyways to kind of continue on to the live service game talk uh there's a couple of the news stories i just want to kind of wrap up here uh one is that final fantasy 14 apparently is going to be free up to heaven's word if you don't know i think they had made a chunk of that game free for a while i think up to level 30 or something like that and i don't know if they expanded this over time but basically they're saying hey it's free for you to play up to level 30 and then at that point if you want to keep do more content you have to resubscribe to the game or you have to subscribe to the game rather and it sounds like they're basically expanding that concept up until heaven's word which is i guess you could say is the first expansion because around reborn is kind of the relaunch i feel a little weird saying heaven's word is the first expansion given that final fantasy 14 online exists and i know i'm the weirdo who likes final fantasy 14 online (laughs) but but you know i i do think it's um yeah anyways either way heaven's word you can uh you can you can play that Free, so that's something that like, hey, I haven't finished Heaven's Word. If I I can play without having to resubscribe every time and feel feel less bad about it every time I dump fourteen dollars on that game or however much it is per month, so so I, that's that's pretty exciting. I'm 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 I don't know if that's gonna help me play it more, but you know it's gonna save me some money at the very least, uh, assuming that anybody can do it. I assume as long as I assume it's not just for like new customers. As long as you just are playing that old content, you can just play whatever. Maybe I'm wrong. Who can say? I don't know how it works. Hopefully it works that way. <laughs> Either way. Um, not like I'm going to play it anytime soon even if it's free. <laughs> um, and then finally there is one last game. I Hey, welcome to the One Show Report Press Conference. We have one last surprise for you. <laughs> one last surprise for you balan and wonderland or balan wonderworld which i looked at this game initially and i was like i knew it was square enix i missed i keynote i missed who was attributed to this game initially and when i first saw this i was very confused it's this very colorful platformer it looked very like up the alley of what sega would do but square enix hasn't really done anything like this before so i was very confused i watched the trailer i was like huh That's kind of a weird thing. Like, I've never seen Square Enix make a game like this before. Forgetting that Yuji Naka (laughs) went and joined Square Enix after he left his company Prope. And then I went back and and then looked at the beginning of the trailer. And sure enough, Yuji Naka's name is on the trailer. And I was like, oh, oh, (laughs) this makes so much more sense. So if you don't know, Yuji Naka is pretty heavily credited for like Sonic the Hedgehog uh, nights and, and working on, I think he worked on Fancy Star Online, the original one as well. Um, so he has this pretty significant Sega development history and, and this game kind of looks like a knockoff nights in some ways in terms of visual aesthetic. But yeah, it's like a 3D platformer in a way that I was a little kind of turned off from initially, but each of the worlds have such a unique look to them and they have like different power-up suits for the characters and things like that, that really change, or at least from what the trailer showed, seems to really change how you you approach each environment and how you you navigate it. And I'm a big fan of variety and that's part of why I like Mario Odyssey, I like how Mario Odyssey adds variety to its 3d worlds in in a very smart ways actually in a way i don't expect this game to, to to get close to um but yeah it just it just looks like a nice 3d like platformer and it, it has that that story style that like rodea the sky soldier has and and i think of like maybe not gunvolt like sometimes i, th- I put gunvolt in this camp but then i, f- I think about how dark gunvolt gets sometimes um <laughs> um but like this very like Childlike innocence to his storytelling, but then also it's, it's, it's very, um, it's not afraid to get to like dark themes and things like that. It's like this weird, weird, like in between of somebody trying to like tell a story, but they're not just trying to like pander to children, right? Um, I think this is pretty common, uh, at least in like cartoons and things like that. With games, I think there's a little bit more, um, I think there's maybe a, bit, a bigger divide on games that aim towards young children versus adults. Um, and I think fi- I find these kind of like innocent storytelling characters and things like that, uh, very charming and fun. Um, and so, so I'm excited about, about seeing another game like that. And, you know, I'm a huge Rodeo the Sky Seltzer fan, Um, and so seeing Yuji Naka do something new is, is, is pretty exciting for me. I like Knights. I think Knights is pretty good. I am a bit more mixed on Sonic, but I I generally enjoy Sonic games. But I think for me, Yuji Naka is Rodea the Sky Soldier, um, for me. So Rodea the Sky Soldier and Knights maybe. (laughs) So I know that's maybe different from most people. Um, but, but you know, and this game does not look like either of those games other than aesthetically looks very Knights-ish. Um, but I think that's, I think that's, that's exciting that he's working on something new and, and that it, it looks very appealing. So I'm, I'm excited about that. I lied to you. We actually have one more, one more thing for this, this podcast press conference. Densha De Go plug and play. <laughs> uh, I forgot I had this on my list until I scrolled down and saw it. Densha De Go is a train simulator. <laughs> um, I think it's pretty, like, it was kind of the butt of a lot of jokes in the, I guess, like mid 2000s of people who were like importing games like huh what a weird thing Uh, it's like a little train simulator we have like a little controller that you can use that's like a train and and they're in Japanese arcades I do not like playing Denshideko um it's not... <laughs> I do not find them enjoyable to play, but I like watching other people play go. Um When I was in Japan, I forced somebody to play Denchidego 4 for me. Somebody I knew. I did not ask a random person on the street, but I was like, please play this and I will watch you play it. I will pay for you to play this game. Um, <laughs> um, so yeah. So this is a little plug and play thing. I don't know if it's going to be any good. I don't know if this thing has existed before in some other form, but I think it's a fun thing. Just like a little, a little controller that you just... I mean... D- bring back the IQ player, the Denshi Go IQ. Uh, you know, it's just like a little con- train controller that you plug into your TV and it plays a version of Denshi Go. It looks a lot like the PlayStation one game to me. I don't know if that's just like pretty much a, the PS one game is basically like a straight conversion of the arcade game. And so this is just like a arcade port of it, but I think that's pretty fun and silly. So yeah. Woo. This is one of those episodes where I feel like I just talk nonstop. And I know, you, I mean, li- that's literally this podcast but my, my mouth, my voice, everything, my brain to some extent, just feels exhausted after this kind of podcast. I guess because I'm sticking to such a script here and like saying so much information and trying to keep it as concise as possible while also giving you details, I know I have a really bad habit of mentioning something and then kind of assuming you have knowledge of it. I try to explain stuff a bit more if I can, but I don't have a lot of time on my podcast to do that either, so... Anyways, in terms of content coming up though, uh, or rather what, what already came out, uh, we had the dee da da quick play that went up on Wednesday last week. So, you know, dee da da is not a great game, but I think it's a really interesting game, a really fun game, and very worth checking out if you're interested in the PCFX. So, so I, I kinda, I would say I'm kinda middling on that game in some ways, but I think it's a very interesting game, and I really hope if you, you you take a look at that quick play if you have it and and maybe you'll you'll see you know give the game a chance it, it's gonna look a little weird at the start but i try to explain you know what i think is interesting about that game and um and i think i'll talk about it again in the future um possibly but but for now i think that quick play is 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 fine enough uh, I don't think I'll make, like, a full video on it, though. I, there's not enough substance there for me to, to do a full video, says the man who did a um, video review on the Undead Syndrome, which is literally, like, an hour-long game. <laughs> I, I spent eight hours on the Undead Syndrome review, if not more than that, and that game's an hour long. It's like... <laughs> Why did it take so long to make this thing to tell you to play something that's like an hour? Um and then also I had a stream go up earlier in the week. I had like a test stream I did because my internet's still been kinda chunky at times. It's it's kind of annoying. I won't I'll spare you the details. But basically earlier this week I kind of just went on archive.org and started looking at Hunex pages. Um, and so on the third night of doing that, I was like, why don't I just stream this and, and test my internet connection while I do this? Because I need to make sure my internet's working fine, uh, for the stream later this week or for the stream that happened later that week. So there's like an hour and a half of me just walking, going around the, uh, Hunex website archives, trying to see what I can find, what's available to download still, things like that. So if you have an interest in old nineties video game developer websites from Japan, then, uh, maybe check it out it's a really weird stream although when i when i had done it i kind of thought about it might actually be fun to do a stream where i kind of talk about my japan trip that way um i thought about originally posting you know these journal entries i did for my sister or or am trying to do they're not done uh onto the website but i really don't know how valuable that is as content in terms of that Um, So I thought it'd be fun to like be able to have a conversation with people and chat while I go over uh, that stuff and be able to do things like, you know, drop a little pin in Google Maps and be like, let's look at the place I was at kind of thing. And part of me is like, well, it's been nine months. So is it still relevant? Um, But also nobody can travel right now. So I have one of the more recent experiences for being in Japan compared to other, other people. So, so maybe it's worth it still right now. So come view my trip to Japan while you can't travel there, I guess. I don't know. Anyways, so I thought that might be a fun idea. So that might be something we end up doing. I just still got to get the resources on my PC to make it work. Um, and then finally we are played more tiny bullets last week too. Um, so if you are interested in tiny bullets, basically like this weird 3D Zelda style, uh, platforming game for the for the uh PlayStation 1 that's was only released in Japan. Uh put more time into that. I was hoping to finish it last week but that didn't work out. Um so we're going to continue to play it again uh this week which I mean I I'm, I'm enjoying the game so that's 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 perfectly fine. Uh I think the only reason I feel kind of guilty about it is because um uh i was supposed to be playing quest 64 and then had to put that on hold so now i'm like having to leave that game to the side while i finish this up uh but yeah so we'll finally finish that game up i don't think it'll take the whole stream to finish that game up um if we finish it super super quickly then i might just jump into quest 64 um but if not i've got some uh import games that i got from japan that i I think we can poke around with for a little bit and just have fun with that and and have a good time so that will be the plan for this week and then, uh, you know, like I said before, working on the updated Chibi Robo video, um, the script's coming along really quickly and good on that, I think. Again, it's not going to be some complicated video. It's going to be very, very brief, I think, overall, maybe closer to like four to five minutes. So don't expect some big, long video or anything like that. Um, so you can look forward to that next month. And um, I, I will let you know. I may consider taking a break for a month. I mean, I think I'll still do the podcast and the streams. Um, but I, I am still having a really hard time balancing my personal life, this website stuff and playing video games. And, I am kind of a, I am probably a workaholic, and (laughs) and I desperately want to to make stuff for the website. Um, It it makes me feel better too, but but I think it would probably be good if I try to force myself for a month just to like enjoy life (laughs) rather than rather than constantly be focused on something. So so I may take a take some time to myself, but I'll let you know. I'll give you an update on that uh, probably after I figure out the cheapy robo video and things like that. So. Anyways, that's it for this week. Thanks for coming. OneControlReport.com is the website, and I hope you have a great week. Bye!